Welcome to the People Analytics and Future Work Podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, this is Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the Talent Strategy Institute. And I'm here today with Jim Walker, founder and CEO of Zoomi. Jim, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Al. Jim, thanks for joining me today. I'm very excited about your organization, what you've been doing with learning analytics. And and tell me, you have a very unique background. How did you get into the space? And, and if you would, tell us a little bit about Zoomi as well. Uh, yeah, they, I I did kind of fall into fall into the space, but it was purposeful in that uh, in I, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and in my last company we grew to a a, a very large size globally. And uh, you know, when I was running that company, one of the things that I uh, became very frustrated with was the fact that I couldn't measure um, my people in terms of learning and what. Uh, and and the analytics around their learning, and that actually started really um, uh, obstructing different things that I wanted to do um, from a growth perspective, and uh, felt it at the at the revenue level as well as at the cost level, and so I became very frustrated with that, and and um, started uh, looking for ways to learn more about. Uh, how do I how do I solve this? And I stumbled across the um, the CLO program at at uh, University of Penn, and they were they have a doctoral program there about learning, workplace learning, and so I enrolled in that, <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, and learned a ton from that. And then we were acquired. Um, my company was Octagon Research Solutions at the time, and we were acquired by Accenture, and. Uh, I finished up my my doctorate, but um, that's where my passion for learning and learning analytics um, uh, came from. And you know, as as oftentimes happens, you get you get lucky and you stumble across a, a technology. And I had found a technology that was um, that was uh, uh, manufactured by a couple of professors out of Princeton University that were in the learning space and. Um, the technology is, is an AI-based platform for for learning, and it solved a lot of the problems that I uh, had experienced my frustrations with um, growing my uh, my 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 last company, and um, and so it just kind of uh, took off from there. And so far, we've you know we've gotten tremendous market acceptance, and uh, we're trying we're we're really solving some of these. Uh, problems with linking learning to business outcomes and and predictive analytics and really getting to the meat of you know what makes people uh, do the things they do within the learning within the learning space. So that's the the fifty thousand foot view of kind of how I how I got to be interested in this space and and what I'm doing now. Uh, fantastic. And just to play that back, I hear that you're a business guy, and you had a challenge around people and you saw an opportunity thus and you created a solution to, to fill that gap. Now, how are you doing that? You know, what's exciting and unique uh, about Zoomi? I mean, I have my own narrative based on my knowledge of uh, your product and your organization. Uh, what's it to you? Yeah, so we so there's there's several things that we're doing. First of all, we 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 understood that when we came into the space that there was plenty of content in the space. So, so content wasn't necessarily the problem. Um, 
understanding what the efficacy of that content and understanding analytics around people who are interacting with that content was the problem. And so we focused our our platform uh, around a robust AI solution that would do several things. One, it would um, tease out uh, the from a diagnostic analytic standpoint which content is working and why. Um, then it would predict as the learner is interacting with the content we're picking up on their behaviors, cognition, engagement, and performance at a very granular level. And when you do that, you can start making predictions about how uh, they are uh, experiencing knowledge transfer. And and so we we have codified that, and and that is what our AI is based on. And further to that, and probably the most exciting is being able to prescribe the content in real time. So if we if we are able to predict, then we can prescribe. And, and take the analytics and and reconstitute the content in real time in a dynamic way based on an individual learner's behaviors, preferences, cognition, engagement, et cetera. And so um, the, what the predictions do uh, that, that's particularly important is for the first time in, in the space, we're able to link those predictions directly to business outcomes. And that's one of the biggest things that I that frustrated me with the learning process in my old company is I would bring in my entire sales force globally. I'd train them for two weeks. I'd send them back out with my fingers crossed that everybody was going to hit quota. Mm-hmm. And um, which is what, you know, generally what everybody does. And, and so, you know, I would get uh, upset with my sales force if they didn't hit quota, but the problem wasn't theirs. It was mine because I was teaching them all in a one-size-fits-all way. I wasn't personalizing the experience, and I didn't know what the what their specific attributes of each learner was and how they wanted to receive that content. And I had no way to predict if they were going to um, do well based on that training out in the field. Now we can do that. Now I can predict at the time of the learning whether or not they're going to hit quota or not based on the knowledge that they assimilated. And so that's those are the types of unique things that, that Zumi brings to bear. That's uh, fantastic uh, on many fronts. Uh, and I don't just say that to, to build you up. I just love the fact that you're taking personal responsibility for the shortcomings of the past and thus have, taking that humility and creating a, a new way of doing things. And if I can draw something out, if the content isn't spot on, uh, you can tell that it's not going to necessarily deliver the outcomes it purports to to produce. And thus you can make changes in either the content itself or the methods in which it's delivered. Is that a fair statement? Yes, that's, that's absolutely correct. Um, and, and we can do that down to the slide level, sentence level. Um, if a video is 30 minutes long, I can slice that up into 10 to 15 second increments. That's the power of AI, is AI can do that, do what you, know, uh, you or I just in a manual way wouldn't be able to do or, or wouldn't be able to scale. And so because we've seen the same types of patterns and identified different hidden dimensions that we know um, are indicative of knowledge transfer through multiple clinical trials. We know which pieces of content are working and why, 
And, and so that's kind of the diagnostic analytics, if you will, of all of this. Um, and when you have that information, uh, then all you need is a way to take those bits of content and be able to reconstitute them in different paragraphs, different slides, different modalities, um, based on what, what uh, each individual is telling you they need. Nice. And yeah, as someone goes through a learning experience, uh, what data are they generating? And are they aware that they're generating data that in turn is going to be analyzed? Yeah. I, it, so it's not something that we, uh, you know, obviously hide from anybody. Um, they're aware that there is a system behind the scenes that is um, measuring all of the interactions um, that they're having with the, the content. And there's several things that, you know, just at a high level, there's, you know, obviously the, the interactions, whether or not somebody's skimming, um, whether or not somebody is seeking out social assistance, are they note-taking, are they um, memorizing? There's different things when somebody is uh, engaged with different clickstream events um, that, you know, we can correlate to different behavioral and cognitive preferences. And then there's interaction with the on-screen assets um, and completion rates, relevant time spent, um, performance. We, we, we measure, we certainly measure that on the, uh, you know, if there's assessments, um, but it's not the be all end all. And that's, I think that's been a, a, a broader problem with not just, you know, learning in the corporate sense, but, you know, assessments have been widely looked at uh, in education period. And, you know, look at anything in an absolute way, I just, I just don't think is ever useful. And so I think that's the power of the AI is all those things that I just mentioned. No one thing is just going to tell the story. You're painting a, a broader picture and all of those inputs are different colors in that picture and, and you're making an assessment based on that. And that's, you know, that's kind of why AI is so um, is so useful and has been useful in other industries. I mean, we've seen AI affect growth and productivity in sectors like transportation, commerce, communication, finance. You know, the education sector has been lagging in that way. Um, so, you know, I think it's ripe for pulling AI into, into this sector now because I think it can do the same types of things in this sector that's done for others. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, I have two questions that come to mind, but I have to pick one and it's relating to AI itself. Uh, because AI is a term that's being tossed around a lot. Uh, it means different things to, to different people. How do you define AI? Yeah, no, it, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really glad you mentioned that because, you know, it, it, oftentimes what I've seen is industries can kind of go backwards a little bit when people start throwing around the latest buzzwords or what they think people are going to want to hear. And, right. and, and, and when we, you know, when we talk about artificial intelligence, we, you know, we talk about the artificial intelligence that is, you know, true AI, not rules-based. So there's certainly a lot of rules-based, um, uh, things out there that people will lump into AI. Um, and, and that's okay, but that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about a machine learning from it, learning from itself, you know, without human intervention, without prescribed parameters. And so when you start looking at being able to do, 
um, deep learning, supervised, unsupervised learning, reinforcement learning, things like dimensionality uh, reduction, data mining. Um, those are the types of things that 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 we're talking about, and and those are the techniques that we've employed against the data sets that we've collected against um, literally millions of data points off of um, you know hundreds of thousands of people. Thank you for that. I mean, and, uh, yeah, I agree. And it sounds like that you're using it in a discipline conscious uh, way, um, as opposed to some out there who are just using it because it is a, a buzzword uh, right now. And that's uh, right. that at least gives me some you know, confidence with the multitude of LMSs out there and means in which to deliver uh, learning content. Do you work with all of them or certain types of delivery? Uh, are you a delivery uh, platform yourself? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question um, because I think the last thing anybody wants, and I've learned this in, you know, from prior bad experiences, <laughs> um, but the last thing anybody wants is to have somebody walk into their uh, corporation or their environment and say, you know what, for for you guys to see success out of what I'm going to uh, show you, you're going to have to get rid of everything else that you have. Right. Um, everybody's put everybody's put a lot of investment into and and made you know good choices um, for for different types of their ecosystem. And uh, the last thing anybody needs is for for somebody to, to come in and say, hey. You, know, you need to replace everything. And frankly, there, there is no need for that. And so when we built the platform, we consciously built it so that it would integrate with all of the existing LMSs. And so that's what we've done. And so what we say is, look, you know, it's it's a simple, uh, it's, it's actually a very lightweight integration um, as, as you and um, undoubtedly your listeners um, uh, know all too well is that a lot of the exchanges, uh, data and otherwise are fairly standardized at this point. And so it's pretty simple for us to to come in and layer on the content and integrate uh, directly with the LMSs, and that's what we do. Got it. And it sounds like there's a risk of not employing a solution like yours, and assuming there is one out there. Uh, is that a fair statement? Because you know, otherwise there's that guessing that's happening. Is that what you sense yeah. as well? Uh, yeah, no, I, it's a great question, and and I, you know, what I've marveled about in in the in the space in general, and what I love about the efforts that uh, you have put in and others have put in around people analytics is, you know, we measure if we're in a knowledge economy, and we all acknowledge that people, and we say it every day that people are the most important part of any organization. I I I always say, well. You know, when, when people talk about it, they're like, why don't we measure them then? <laughs> right. You know, we, it, it would be like not, it would be like telling the finance group, you know what, uh, just go by gut feel. Don't don't measure, you know, gross margin. Don't measure, you know, revenue growth or anything. Let's just go by gut feel, you know, and, <laughs> right. and maybe it's informed, maybe it's informed gut feel, you know, so I'm not saying it's out of the blue, but but that's the way we're, we're largely approaching it right now. And, and, and it's not a very evidence-based area. And so that's what I, I, you know, every time I see something about people analytics or workforce analytics now, I just take a, a, a you know, I have a, a sigh of relief about that because, you know, it's, I think it's been a long time coming. 
to be fair, I just don't think the the technology maybe was there to to help with some of this. Um, and I think that people thought that when you took something from print to electronic or online, that magically people were going to learn better. I, you know, and, and that's not, you know, that's obviously not the case. And so, you know, having hard, hardcore analytics around these this information, it, it's not, it's certainly not going to hurt. So, um, you know, and in every other industry, when you get more information, you can make better decisions. So, you know, I'm I'm very happy about the fact that that uh, people are spending more and more time on on you know people analytics and you know what what each individual's preference is because you know I wish I could go back and apologize to some of the folks that I trained <laughs> for, for for training them in a one size fits all way because you know it just it wasn't their fault it was my fault you can send them to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it'll help um, you, you know, what you're sharing and I, and I could not agree more in fact I've echoed those sentiments uh, over the years around your people strategy if people are your most important asset you know why you know, how, how are you measuring that and and rarely have CEOs or executives uh, in general had an answer to that at least one that inspired confidence to a point where they were willing to share their stories on that uh, of course that's changing and will continue to change hopefully so my question to you regarding the LMSs out there they all have a analytics value proposition they have analytics uh, that are embedded within you know, their solutions. Yet what I'm hearing is that yours goes far beyond and can work with an array of LMSs or an array of learning content within an organization. And just if I can craft my own narrative too, it can be done down to the individual level. So either leaders and or the individuals themselves can see how, you know, what has resonated with them is, is that, yeah, does, that's correct. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and, and that's, you know, in terms of, um, uh, you know, the, what the LMS is currently do, well, much of it is descriptive analytics. And so kind of state of the state, you know, how many people went through, um, you know, who passed, who didn't. And, and there's some that, you know, to be fair, that do a, a little bit more than that, but not to the level where you can start really making those deep predictions, and then and then start um, taking that content and reconstituting it in a different way uh, to an individual's preference. So you're you're absolutely right. So, what's the value proposition for the employee, him or herself, uh, or is there one? Uh, can Individuals who you know understand that their activity is being uh, measured and evaluated—is uh, there uh, an elevated value proposition f- for them? And if so, you know how would you define it? Yeah, no, absolutely, because it's it's not just all about the the corporation. It's it's mostly you know as we talked about before about the people. And so if you're if you if you are um, getting a personalized, a true personalized experience, you are your, your engagement is going to go up, and that's exactly what we've seen. Um, you you are going to your time proficiency is going to go way down, which is another thing that we have seen. And um, especially in a world where you know, if you left your industry for a year, 
and came back, it'd be really hard to catch up. Yeah, so things are changing so fast. One of the biggest problems that, that we've seen, you know, in, in talking to our customers is mobile, you know, whether it's onboarding or mobilizing people to new projects, time is money in the, on that front. And, you know, the faster that we can get people um, trained and uh, allocated to projects, you know, the, the better it is for them and the better it is for uh, the company. The problem is, is most of that's do, being done in more of a factory model right now. And so people who normally would be really good at, you know, a task that they're being trained on, because it's being done in a one-size-fits-all way, they're being left behind. And so for those people, it's it's an opportunity to, to give them the training the way uh, that comports with their personal behaviors, cognition, and engagement, um, and and get them to a spot uh, from a knowledge transfer uh, standpoint um, just as quickly as somebody else. Or if they're a little bit slower, that's okay too. Um, at least they get to the final endpoint. So Guru Satipathy of Capital One and I have had uh – a discussion recently on another podcast and, and he was talking about the diminishing half-life of skills and our need both at, from an organizational perspective to be more conscious uh, that the speed of learning has to increase and from an individual's perspective that we have to take more ownership of what we learn, how we learn, when we learn it, and so forth. And if I'm hearing you correctly, you're helping facilitate that from both uh, perspectives. Is, is that a fair playback? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 again, like I'm, I I try not to be an absolutist with things. I don't think it's one thing. I, I certainly agree that people have to take more responsibility. At the same time, that doesn't abdicate, you know, the the uh, uh, the the people who are delivering the training to find ways to make that easier for those people. Absolutely. And there are there are ways to do that. And and so I think if if everybody's doing their part. Um, you know, you get to the right answer much, much faster. And that's, in fact, what we've seen. Got it. So it just, I just want to toggle a little bit and ask a very basic question because you are a executive currently. You have been an executive formerly in a business or set of businesses outside of this people analytics realm. Uh, who's your buyer? Is it the head of learning? Is it a business executive? Is it all over the map? Can yeah. you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I think all of those stakeholders generally all get involved at some point, but honestly, a lot of the people that we talk to initially are the operations folks who are trying to get that productivity up. Um, you know, we, we, we always, you know, we, we talk a lot to the learning leaders and they get um, very interested in, in the solution because it's a, it's a better, faster, cheaper way to, to, to do this. Um, but uh, I think what, you know, the, the training is being done for a reason, right? You know, certainly there's compliance reasons, um, uh, uh, you know, for different courses, um, which most people would love to be more engaged with. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the training is uh, operational and, um you know, you're doing the training for a reason. And so why not track that? And, and so I think that's what people get really excited about is, is knowing that they can get a window of insight into what this business outcome for which the training was originally designed, how are these people going to do on it? Uh, 
you know, and, and to be able to predict that, I think, is another uh, layer of sophistication that, um, you know, because because to your point, you know, things are moving and changing so fast. And so, you know, I, I once um, or I've seen several people talk at different times about doing these long longitudinal studies on these interventions that they do. And, and you know, you'll get an answer in two years and and they think that's okay. And, and, you know, I just respectfully disagree with that. We don't have two years in any industry. And in fact, like that with the technology and everything available, it's kind of absurd when you think about it, because especially with the way people move between industries and between jobs nowadays, those same people that crafted the intervention probably won't be around in two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. So I, <laughs> You're absolutely yeah. correct. I couldn't agree more. And frankly, I was one of those doing those longitudinal studies back in the day. So if the world has changed and we have to accommodate that reality. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. 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 So with that in mind, you've mentioned sales processes a couple of times. Uh, there are other business outcomes you can relate to uh, you know, across different functions in different industries. Uh, I just want to call that out as uh, a, a truth for, for you and Zoomy. Is that correct? Yeah, no, we, we handle everything from, yeah, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, uh, mortgage processing, whether it's, uh, you know, ethics and compliance training. All we're trying to do is get the knowledge transfer, get visibility into the knowledge transfer, um, and, and, and get the personalized learning um, uh, being brought to bear. Got it. And when you talk about the the learning, it's mostly online. Is that is it desktop? Is it mobile? Is it all of the above? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's desktops, mobile, every everything. Got it. So as we start to to wrap here, you know, where are you headed as an organization? What excites you about the future? Um, we continue to uh, our algorithm base continues to grow, and I'm really excited about some of the the new stuff that we're going to be coming out with. We actually are looking at some different technology for um, classroom based training, so not just online training where we can apply the algorithms and and uh, so there's going to be some exciting stuff that's going to be on the horizon, and we're getting such a a groundswell of uh, uh, you know acceptance from the market right now that um, you know I'm sure that we'll they'll take us some places that we, we hadn't thought of either, which is the way it should be. And so, you know, we're just really excited about people embracing uh, analytics in general and particularly around the learner and, and trying to trying to continue to incrementally get better and still in, in, instead of just being satisfied with what they have. So that really, um, that's, that's really a nice thing to see. Yeah, I mean, that sounds fantastic. Obviously, the in-person training is not going away. Uh, that being said, you know many have been uh, increasingly skeptical uh, given the the cost. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, the value proposition of having in-person training will be able to be highlighted based on the insights that you generate. Is that a fair playback as well? Correct. Yep. So. We're going to see uh, you and Zumi at uh, People Analytics Future of Work uh, in February 1st and 2nd here in, in San Francisco. And I've been intrigued with uh, your solution and your team. And, and I must say out loud for our listeners is that you know, I've long stated that 
the number one competency of a leader is his or her willingness and capacity to learn and and in turn take action on that learning and uh, you know it's leveraging Carol Dweck's growth mindset and you obviously show up and bring that in spades so uh, you know my compliments to you and, and what you've achieved and uh, just know I'm rooting for you and uh, yeah I look forward to seeing you in a few weeks time thanks for joining us today. appreciate that thank you Al. Yeah, Jim. Uh, all the best. And uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, I just mentioned it. People Analytics Future of Work will be February 1st and 2nd here in the San Francisco Bay Area. To learn more, uh, check out pafow.com, P-A-F-O-W.com. And, and Jim, before we let you go, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I can be reached at uh, james.walker at zoomyinc.com. All right, Jim, again, thanks for joining and all the best. Thank you. Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at globalpeopleanalytics.net.